if you're any of the exes that we talked about, you know, you want to just yeah, like let us know. I'd like to apologize to all the people yeah, I dated. So I sorry. was really intense. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm so reflected on that and I'm so sorry. But being good, I'm a bad bitch. I'm sick of motherfuckers trying to tell me how to live. Wet hoes hate under my pictures on the gram. Ugh. Bitch, you better hope I never run across your man. Uh, in the mall with him, I'ma have a ball with him. Hey guys, welcome to All Things To Do with Karen Taylor. I'm here today with my really good friends and clients, uh, Jill Kennedy. Hello. And Paige McLean. Hello. <laughs> I'm here with Jill and Paige today because they are my clients and we have had, um, as I mentioned in my last podcast with Jill, we have some really awesome conversations during our training sessions and Jill has studied psychology for how many how many years did you study for? Three years, but I didn't finish my last semester, so technically I didn't graduate. That's okay, I was just studying <laughs> no. psychology with undiagnosed ADHD and I didn't realise. Yes. Woo! So you did really well to get you were undiagnosed until just recently undiagnosed ADHD. Yes. Yeah. Past couple of months. I think it was like three months ago I actually was diagnosed, but yeah. Yeah. Game changer. <sighs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And for yourself, Paige, I know that you've obviously gone through a fair bit in the last few months as well. Even the last, well, how long have you been here, coming here for like a year. a year? It would be almost a year. Almost yeah. a year. Yeah. yeah. So you've gone through, I've seen you even go through quite a lot of like changes throughout that time. Oh yeah, the last year has just been like I'm a completely different person. You are. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, like that's yeah. one like one year down. I know. Yeah, and what do you think has contributed to a lot of that like development for you? Um, I guess like, well, yeah, I was living with like anxiety and depression pretty severely for about like almost 10, 12 years, yeah. and I think it was just like. Are you now? I'm twenty two. So that's a, a huge part yeah. of like your teenage years. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think I think even like COVID and just like having that time off of work and just having a, like that time to think about who I am, where I want to go with my life, it really made me reflect on like, you know, how much I'm holding myself back and it made me really think like I do need help. So I reached out and you know now I'm going through therapy and it's been so beneficial like I've completely changed and yeah, yeah like things that I thought were just personality traits yeah. were actually mental illness um, and yeah like I've, I've changed the person and everyone says that. I can see that massively especially <laughs> yeah. in how you've dealt with like a similar situation so a year ago how you would have dealt with a situation to how you've dealt with it this time has been like just chop and cheese pretty much yeah. like a completely different response to a stressful situation in your life you've dealt with it so differently yeah <laughs> completely. Yeah. and that's yeah definitely like we talked about therapy and how important therapy is mm-hmm. and a thing that I read shortly after we had that conversation was that you know if you had a broken arm or you had an ailment that you needed to go to a doctor for like you would mm. feel like you were weak going to a doctor if there's something that's in your head that you know isn't quite right or you're depressed or you're not getting up or you're not showering or you're not um eating properly or looking after yourself or socializing anymore that's not those things are not a weakness it would be the same as having a broken arm and going to a doctor you're if something isn't yeah. feeling right to you yeah. then it's the same thing as going to going to a therapist to help you through that 
that yeah. yeah. In my first year of psychology, there was one thing that one of my professors said so well that I love, and it was he was he said that he wants depression and anxiety to be seen like the same as a common cold, not like yes. minimizing the no, seriousness of it, no. of it, but recognizing it's prevalent. Yes, and it's can be treatable and yes. it shouldn't be stigmatized. You're not going to be like, oh, you're weak, you got a cold. Yeah. It's just something that happens. Yeah. And yeah. depression can sometimes just be something that happens. And, and a lot of the time, depression is situational. I remember like, so I've had like, you know, I've had depression and anxiety for most of my life. Um, but then I remember that I was in a really good space. I was in a really, really good space. I was newly married. I had like a lot of good things going on. Everything was great. And then I had a certain situation happen in my workplace with a person and it, it threw me, like it really threw me. And then I ended up, that lady ended up, um, like, well, she, she got fired. <laughs> um, she got fired and I was left with like trauma from it. And I, it was situational and it wasn't, I went to like a, I went to a talk one day and they were talking about situational depression. And I was like, oh my gosh, like that is so true because I hadn't felt depression you know, mm. in that time I had lots of good things going on. I wasn't feeling that same kind of like lull that I had sort of like just, you, you get used to it throughout your life of like just kind of living underneath the, the, yeah. like the veil. It's just a numbness, mm. you know. And so I had this situation at work and then after, yeah, after she left, I was like literally traumatised because I would like hear someone like heels walking down the road and I would think it was like her coming into the office she made me that anxious and like made me question myself so much that I actually yeah ended up with like a bit of trauma and depression from it and that was very situational so I think Mm. sometimes like you can go through your whole life and not have you know any issues but then all of a sudden have a very stressful situation happen or lose a loved one or have to go through a grieving process and that can bring on situational depression Mm. Yeah, well, like, um, there's a a part of my kind of the process of healing from my mental health issues um, is kind of accepting, accepting that it's happened. And Mm. the way I used to talk about it was, I'm sad, feel bad for me. Yeah, the victim. Yeah, whereas now I'm kind of teaching myself, like, I'm yeah I'm going through this but I'm getting better Mm. and the way I want to talk about it in a positive is in a positive light so when I talk to people about it Mm. they start to feel pity for me but I have to stop them and say no No, it's okay I'm in the process of healing yeah and I like I've gotten help and I've taken care of myself you don't have to fix me where I think that that's like a big part of it people kind of feel that way when you talk about mental health issues that they it's their job to fix it yeah absolutely I hate that and that's Part of the reason why I didn't really tell any of my friends because I don't want the pity. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I just, not a fan of it. Yeah, people shy away from it. Like, yeah, yeah, everyone, like people that I've been close to in the past, I would mention it and they just completely go, ugh. Like close off. They think it's their responsibility to kind of change the way I'm feeling, but that's like, I have to make it clear to everyone now that that's how I'm feeling, but I'm taking care of myself. Like, Mm. I've gotten help. I'm in control of this. You don't have to fix me. I think something I read um, a while back that was really good, and it helped me a lot, like even now, as I've I've mentioned with the podcast, 
um, is that, you know, for me, I've always been like one to get really excited when someone says something and you're like, oh my God, yeah, what's happened to me too? And you're like, oh. Um, and now it's actually, for me, it's like something that I'm teaching myself is just to like sit back and listen and learn. And sometimes like someone talking to you, they're not actually asking for your advice. They're not asking for you to fix the problem. Because a lot of the time I think I'd always be like, oh my God, yeah, that happened to me. And like this oh, thing. And then you completely and then you take almost, away. Yeah, you take away from mm. that person's experience of being vulnerable with you as well. Mm. So it's really, it's actually a really hard thing to do, but it's something I've trained, been like almost training myself to do over time. Yeah, but I understand why you do that because I do that too. For, for me, I'm empathizing and yeah. saying, in a way, I understand, mm. I get you, it like, is true. I have yeah. your back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. it can minimize, like, the person's vulnerability yeah. and them opening up to you in that time. Yeah. yeah. I think it's fi- it's finding that line of, like, just knowing, and, and uh, not that you don't have, not that you wouldn't say, you know, yes, I've experienced that. That's how we've come to this point, to have these conversations. Yeah. Like, oh, my God, yeah. But there's definitely been times where, like, sometimes, you know, you might just be saying something or um, kind of processing it in your head but saying it out loud mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you've got everyone, like, want, like you say, wanting to fix you and fix the problem. And yeah. it's like, I'm actually just trying to work through it in my... Yeah. And then there's also the risk of... There's a lot of people out there who kind of challenge you, say, like... I'm going through depression right now and then they'll say yeah well I'm going through this 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 and this and it kind of like invalidates Ooh, what your experience yeah bit. and mm. you just go well now I can't feel bad no that behavior is called one-upping and mm. it's oh, it's one-upping. not one-upping yeah, yeah it's like I don't I kind of also used to do that god I'm such a bad person <laughs> oh um, no I'm like me too <laughs> it, was, it was more when I was a teenager yeah. Um, and then I read a few things online about people doing that. I was like, oh, shit, that's me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, the one upper, not good. And also mental health isn't being like, I'm in this situation. It's worse than yours. I have very much always said, I don't think that anybody's, if something is affecting you, it's, it's still just as relevant to the person yeah. who's, you might be grieving the loss of somebody and somebody mm-hmm. else might be, grieving the loss of their cat you know doesn't necessarily mean that their grief is any less or more or we don't have like there's no scale that says mine's more mine's more or less than yours you know Mm -hmm. that is a constant stigma yeah of any mental health issues like it's attention seeking which isn't great Yeah. yeah um but a good metaphor that i've found is just because someone's house is on fire doesn't mean yours isn't or that it isn't smoking yeah, so true. It could start in a different room. Yes. Like, so. You never know. This is the mm. thing I always talk about. You never know. Like, you can turn around and look at somebody and be like, why are you not just, even with relationships, because that's what we're really going to touch on now, <laughs> talking about relationships and dysfunction in relationship, like, someone can turn around to you and say, why haven't you just left? Why don't you just go? Why have you stuck around for so long? And it's like, you're not in that situation and you until you actually go through it don't ever put yourself on a pedestal that you're never going to go through that Mm. i've been so guilty of it in the past where a friend's been in a relationship that's not healthy for them and i'll be like this is not healthy for you like can't you see that this is look at what you know no that's not right that's not normal he said what like and Mm. i'll be like i can't believe like this you know my friend who i care about and love is still hanging around for this low-hanging fruit of a guy (laughs) um and i feel like then i've been in it 
and my friends have been saying the same thing to me, but it's so hard to listen. And it's like, I know what you're saying and I've been there and I've said it to other people, but when you're in it and you're addicted to the dysfunction of the relationship, it is so much harder to walk away. So I always say, don't ever say like, I won't ever be in that situation. Well, it's like, um, it's like there's no one knows your relationship better than you because yeah. you're in it and you are like you experience everything yeah so it's like for example people saying that oh you shouldn't be sad about this relationship ending because it only lasts for a couple of months i was in a relationship with someone for a year and i didn't feel this bad but it's not like two completely different relationships mm-hmm. with two completely different people yeah. like yeah it shouldn't be a thing that oh it was longer therefore it's more important mm-hmm. And so let's, as we sort of talk about that, let's come into so what we're talking about today. So the reason why being here, we've talked a little bit about, we obviously all have our own, have had our own struggles with mental health um, and and therefore it has impacted our relationships. So when you think about that, like sometimes I think for the different person and different stages in our lives and like what we've learned about ourselves and our... Attachment style. Woo! My favorite. Jill, <laughs> talk to me. <laughs> Sorry. Jill's like, Jill's like, the yes. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Jill's on. Science. This I have a notebook and everything. This is the Jill Kennedy Show. <laughs> that okay. really has a good ring to it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but, like, by now, everyone's heard of it at least through, like, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, attachment theories are in mainstream culture. It's trending. Mm. It is trending and I do like it because it is a psychological concept that was developed in the 70s or 80s, I can't quite remember, by Bowlby and Ainsworth. And it's very, very relevant to how we attach to our partners and our behavior in our relationships. I got really interested in it in my first relationship because it was fairly dysfunctional and I'm not going to blame it on just him it was also me but we just were not compatible and we fell into a very classic pattern of um attachment theory so you've probably heard it but it was first developed to understand why babies feel such distress from their parents and it was decided to be an evolutionary function through natural selection because infants can't protect themselves you need a primary caregiver to protect you and feed you. Mm. So a lot of across a lot of species, babies will like cry and reach for their caregiver. And so when the caregiver is there and reassures them and gives that gives them that security, mm. they're affirming their attachment to the caregiver. Mm. But if they don't receive that or they don't get emotional support, mm. the security isn't attained. And that alters how the baby relates to the caregiver. Mm -hmm. And it starts to form its own alternate, like strategies of emotional regulation, other than proximity seeking to your caregiver. So you can see it. What's proximity seeking? So it's just being close, both physically and emotionally. Being in a closer proximity with someone. Yeah, so say, if you're you're like a two-year-old and your parent is like, away and the baby can't see them they start to become distressed because you've been abandoned right or at least the baby believes yeah and so like they start crying seeking Mm. and if the parent comes that guarantees survival because they're now protected right yes yes 
if you don't get, get that, that. It's, you start to alter functions and you can see that figure in, out how to deal with it how to deal with the emotion of being abandoned abandoned yeah in a different way because yeah. you're not getting it soothed from the parent coming to soothe you so, so you self-soothe self -soothe. and that normally like so you have different attachment styles as a child which develop into to. adult mm. That's generally the avoidance. So you yeah. self-soothe. Yeah. You don't need the other person. No, I don't need anyone. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. So your attachment <laughs> styles My house are. On fire. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm fine. <laughs> so you got the classic secure, mm -hmm. which in the working frame is you have a positive regard of yourself and, that, and others. And that would you say is the parent who came to soothe you, you've had soothing, you've had love. You've had all your needs met. met. Your needs are met emotionally, right. physically. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like you can have your needs met physically, but not emotionally. Yeah, okay. Or you can okay. have your needs met emotionally, but not, not physically. physically. Yeah. yeah, okay, okay. And those change. Oh, interesting. So yeah. it's very, very dependent on your caregiver. Yeah, yeah. So they have a positive regard for themselves and others. They're confident in their relationships with others. They have a positive belief to love and believe in its enduring qualities and believing others are trustworthy. So that's secure. Um, I think it's trust. So you just trust. Well, you have a you good foundation think, with yeah. your caregiver. Yeah. So yeah. you have a good foundation with everyone with else. Yeah. Um, then there's preoccupied, mm -hmm. preoccupied, anxious. Sometimes it's called. Mm -hmm. So in this, you have a negative regard for yourself but a positive for others. So people pleaser. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's also it's also like uh, hi. the clingy, the clingy, clingy person. person. The clingy person. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Because it's like you attach yourself in a in an unhealthy way to another person and rely on them for You want your, their acceptance. So it's kinda of like you're looking for what you didn't get from your parent. You way. want to please the person yeah. so they'll stay. They'll stay. Yeah. 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 Um, okay, right. They're very love oriented and they value close relationships. Mm -hmm. They're quick to fall in love, mm -hmm. but they also have trouble finding true or enduring love. So that's those quick, passion filled relationships yeah. that just bomb after a couple of months. Right, okay. So really all intense. In and then all out. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, right, okay. Then you have the two dismissive types. So you have mm. dismissive avoidant. Yeah. They have a positive regard for themselves, sometimes inflated mm -hmm. self-worth, um, but negative view of others. And then there's the fearful avoidant, yeah. which is a negative regard for both yourself and mm -hmm. others. Mm -hmm. Both of these avoidant types are not orientated to love or they don't go seeking for love. They're, they're yeah. fearful of it. They're, they're doubtful of it. Of yeah. it. Yeah. And they, if somebody loves me, it's more of a reason to I don't want to love that person or feel that person's love because it means that I could get hurt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They often experience emotional turbulence. Yeah. And okay. they fear Ooh. the intimacy. Yeah. Emotional turbulence. I love that. Oh. Yeah. And just so you know, this is on a quadrant. So like a plane, just, mm. you, just because there's four doesn't mean a you're solely one. Just to explain a quadrant yes. is when you're looking at a cross. So you're looking at a cross and you've got four, you've got your four sections of the pie pretty much. So you cut yeah. your pie into four and you've got, you can be right on the outskirt of one quarter of the pie mm. or you could be right in the middle of the pie. You can be like a mix. You could be a mix. So, so you're you not necessarily all, one. No, so if you had all four of those, what Jill just explained in four quarters, yeah. you can be right 
in the thick of one attachment style or you can be kind of like in the middle you could be in the middle of like you can two and kind of like up in the middle there or you yeah. can be right in the center and kind of be a little bit of everything in yeah. some ways as well i think life teaches us too sometimes mm. like we can have a really healthy attachment style um growing up but then you know you might get in a relationship that affects it which is what we've talked about dysfunctional relationships yeah. and it does alter your function life events can alter attachments your style. attachment style so you, can better always. Being, you can go from being completely secure too preoccupied. too preoccupied too fearful to not, not trusting anymore to not knowing yeah. yeah so you can kind of move around that that quadrant absolutely yeah. and it tends to be major life moments that yeah. change it not yeah. you're not like oh tomorrow i'm just gonna you didn't like, hug me yeah. i'm now preoccupied yeah <laughs> um, like yeah. it has to be yeah. kind of significant mm-hmm. events but also i was doing i was part of a study for a little while just a voluntary one mm-hmm. and the way they were doing the research it seems like you can have different attachment styles to different like people in your life who play different roles so you can have a different attachment style to your parents, to your romantic partner, mm. to your friends. Mm. So it's mm. just because you identify with one now doesn't mean mm. you're there forever and you're doomed. Because, mm. of course, the three negative ones are negative and nobody wants to be that. Mm. But we all want to be the secure. <laughs> we all would all to love why, to be the secure. I think why anxious people also look at other people and go, oh my God, like it would be so good if I could just be like you. Or if I could have just had your family. We do mm. kind of romanticize that in a sense of like wanting to be that secure attachment style because you're like, what's wrong with me? Yeah. Um, Why do my parents give me the correct yeah, attachment style? However, bringing that in, when we talk about the, the attachment styles, obviously you can be in any one sort of area, you can move around, you can change. What happens is when we talk about dysfunction in relationships, the most typical pairing that isn't great it doesn't it's a negative and a negative isn't it yeah it doesn't mean your relationship's doomed just because you are Mm. both like one of the negative attachment styles but i will say that you both have to actively be aware of what behavior you may Mm. do and also self-feedback so it's yeah so if any dysfunction yeah if any of like the three negative yeah these these are in quotes yeah negative um pair with a secure yes it's pretty much a good relationship okay. because since the secure is secure they can be like a stable mm. base mm. for mm. the negative ones yeah. and they don't have to um really engage in what's in called the negative thing, maintenance behavior so that's the, like the toxic habits of that person and how they might sabotage the relationship exactly I know for myself, I would probably put myself in, I was a bit like maybe preoccupied and my ex is like fearful avoidant or just mm. avoidant. I'm not and sure. And that's the classic. Really bad. So that's where you come into like real dysfunction because like I'm not, sh- like I can't just settle. If you disappear, you need to go and take your time to like go and, you know, do your, out, like whatever, like whatever it mm. might be, I'm going to say it in like be alone and have your space for me it's like if i don't get communication around that then i'm like oh my god where are they what have they done like what have i done what have i done not what have they yeah. done? what have i done like i must have said something wrong i must have done the wrong thing and so i become 
preoccupied with thinking mm-hmm. about them as opposed to just being like, oh, fuck it. Like, I'm just going to get on with my life and go and do my shit. And then you start to suffocate them because you're trying to yeah. reaffirm your attachment, right? Your right. security. Yeah, so you're I reaching out. I want that. Yeah. I want that good vibe. Back. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> and then, sorry. And then the dismissive is they feel overwhelmed yeah. and they go away even further. And that yeah. makes the preoccupied try even harder, harder. and harder and yeah. the person draws Both back more, more and more and more. more. So you end up like, but then it's like, you almost get to a point where you're like, you've pulled so far apart that you're like, no, hang on, there were good things there. So you almost like start coming back together and then it just yeah. happens all over again. Yes. Paige is like, no. Oh. Also, <laughs> she has the Bonapoli hand. But also preoccupies so when they um, they also they'll realize that they keep drawing that the, back, the dismissive that is drawing person. back. So as punishment, they will also draw back. I do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do that. Yeah, I do that. So, I don't mean it's not like I want to. It's also a control thing. So it's control. It's control. It's definitely. Yeah. I've actually been having dreams. It's really weird. I made a note of my one last night because I'm not usually one to remember dreams. And if I hadn't made a note, I was half asleep. <laughs> <laughs> so my. My, one of my exes was in it, like, years ago. I was in this mansion, <laughs> and there was a party going on. It was so bizarre. There was so much stuff happening, and it was like, we went, I, I was in, like, a forest. Then I bumped into him, and he kind of, like, saved me. Then we went to this party, and then he, like, whitied. <laughs> it was so funny. I was, like, in the dream, I was like, oh, my God, I was having, we were both laughing because he, like, vomited, and then I was like, yeah, like, you vomited, and we, oh, you got vomited, and it was, like, it was so bizarre. Anyway, it was, like, funny in my dream. Then I was like, oh, I saw this pool and I was like, I want to go and swim in the pool. Mm. But it was like on the top floor. So I'm like trying to get my way through security to like climb up this mansion, the stairs in this mansion to go and swim in the pool. So I get to the pool, I leave my stuff on the side and I go mm. and then Stingray attacks me. Oh, <laughs> Steve there was a Stingray and I thought it was like my friend at first and then it started like biting me. And like Stingray, it was a Stingray, like started biting me. Stingray and then there was like all these like urchin things like coming. It was so weird, right? And then I got out of the pool and like I couldn't find my clothes and then like the security guards had come but they weren't just like normal security guards, they were like like Samoan guards. So they were like, Can you you need I even wrote it down, they were like, You need to pay us ten thousand Aries. And I was like, What the actual fuck is going on here? Anyway, I woke up and I was like, What the fuck just happened? So I Googled being attacked because that's the second night that I've had a dream about being attacked. Mm. And it says it's because you feel like you're not in control. Mm. You feel like you're not in control of your life. And I'm like, I've never been one to be like, believe in like, it's just been happening a lot. So like, I just was like, I can't understand like what's going on. And immediately I was like, I've never looked into dreams before, but I immediately I was like, this is weird that this keeps happening. And like, I keep getting like attacked in these various kinds of ways in my dream. Mm. And yeah, like everything that I researched on it was control. control. It's because there's a lack of control, whether it's a lack of control in your current relationship uh, one of them was actually a lack of control in your business mm. and I've been sort of like feeling like that because I was kind of in the period of like feeling like I didn't know um you know what I was going to do I was like it's the first time I've actually been tied down in my whole life like I've always been a bit of a nomad I've always been able to just like up and go so if like life throws me a fucking lemon I can be like fuck your lemon I'm off you know <laughs> and uh, I don't want to make lemonade I want to just go and start again or like move to a nice warm part and just be like tan and hot all the time like, <laughs> fuck you bitch anyway i don't have that option right now because it's the first time in my life that i've been tied to something bigger than myself i all yeah. yeah well like i so 
I recently went through a breakup and um, I had a real feeling of losing control because it wasn't my decision. Um, and when it initially happened, I had really strong feelings of I want to move away. I want to completely change my room. And I think a lot of people go through that, the classic, like, shaving your head or whatever. Yeah, you know, dye your hair. Yeah, yeah dye your hair. Your hands, like, and yeah. I think Piercings. that is control because it, it, is, it, it does give you a sense that you have control over your life in a yeah. time when you don't think you actually have any control. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. It's been fun. Yeah. But it's been really, like, nice to actually see you because you know that, like, you rock up and you're hurting. Like, there's Mm -hmm. still that pain there. Mm -hmm. But you've, like, rocked up and you're, like, rocking up to life in a different way than you would have done before because you probably would have ran with those things, like, a year ago. Yes. You would have been, like, hair changed, (laughs) tattoos, piercing, moved back home. Nipple would have been pierced. Nipple, like, (laughs) out, you probably would have been like, you know, OnlyFans, OnlyFans vaping. (laughs) Like, all those kinds of things, and you would have probably gone to those unhealthy coping mechanisms because you would have felt like, yeah, there's just such a lack of control. Whereas you, you might still feel that in some areas, but you're actually taking control in a lot of other areas. Yeah, like well, yeah. Well, it's really interesting, and I kind of talked about this with my therapist quite a bit. I've had two major breakups that I, I would consider, like, you know, um, and yeah, the thing that like one of them was when I was I just so young and naive I was 18 years old Mm. and I had no idea what was happening to me I knew I had a lot of feelings and they were just overwhelming all the time but I had Mm. no idea why Um, and it was also in that mindset of I'm sad somebody fixed me I didn't Mm. know that I had to fix myself Um, and the way I dealt with it was I you know I just went I'm going to get, at the time I didn't have my license or a job, so I was like, I'm going to get a job, I'm going to be a boss bitch, I'm going to move back home, and I'm going to cut everyone out, and I'm just going to find new people, and it, it really, like, I isolated myself from the people who could have been there for me, and I, yeah, just stopped going out, I didn't want, I didn't want to, like, deal with the life that I had, and I lost, um, and it's really interesting to compare that with now is like one of my first instincts I had thoughts of I want to pierce my nipples and shit yeah, like that yeah um but I also That's had good. that I'm <laughs> <laughs> trying to tell me how to live yeah well, I had that initial thought but I also yeah. had this thought of no you need to like yeah you've got to feel this hurt which yeah which I didn't really want to feel it like in my previous relationship I didn't want to feel it I didn't want to feel any negative emotions anything like that yeah whereas this one I went okay you need to feel this because if you feel it then you know that like it's over and you've dealt with it yes well if you face it you go through it and you come at that at the end and then you know that you're okay and you can face it again if it happens again yeah which develops more secure attachment yes but you know that you can go through it but if you just avoid it Mm. and cover it up with piercings and the pain is still there yeah the pain is masking the pain yeah well it's like i sorry sorry (laughs) Sorry. um well like that week i had a pt session with you i had like university classes i had um psychologist appointments and the previous me about a year ago would have cancelled all of those under a rock 
yep, I would have cancelled all those. I would have just stayed in my room and just isolated myself. Mm. But then I was like, no, you have to show mm. up. You feel like shit right now. So and you feel so, like, lost and whatever. But you have to go to these things yeah. and continue on with the life that you... Like, I had a life way before this. This person, mm. that's the thing. We have a life. Like, you have a life before a person comes along. And then I think it can be... It's just so overwhelming because you're like, what the fuck happened? Like, mm. I was boss bitch doing my thing and all of a sudden I'm like crying over this guy every night and can't sleep and like mm, can't yeah. eat and I can't do and I'm like what the hell like I'm like but sometimes we can because we pour so much of ourselves into the other person we become so preoccupied with them and their needs and making them happy that we take away from what we have and then it's really hard to like you kind of like wake up one day and you're like dysfunction yeah because if you've got two people who are very self-confident the relationship is helping build each other up and helping your life outside of each other Mm -hmm. yes but if you have a more dysfunctional relationship that becomes more codependent and the other person becomes your life Mm -hmm. you abandon everything else Mm -hmm. And, and you build go, your life around them. Yeah, yes, everything collapses. You've got nothing. All like, I had is that person. Yeah. yeah. And like, that's why you hold on to a dysfunctional relationship. Mm. Yes. They I was like please. that though. I wasn't codependent. I didn't feel like I had a codependency on anything. And then like when this, when I went into this relationship, it was like just the dynamics between us. That made me feel more codependent than I'd ever felt. I was like, I don't feel this with my friends. Like, if my friends don't text me back, it doesn't worry me. Like, why mm. am I so, like, upset when this person falls off the face of the earth? Like, I don't... Um, but, yeah, it's it was really hard for me because I was like, why am I feeling this? And, what, like, what's changed? And mm. then I started looking into codependency and realised mm. that I actually had developed 
a lot of codependency on this person showing up to validate me because if he showed up and validated me then it meant that I was enough even though there was 50 other people in my life showing up every day validating me and saying you're doing a great job you're amazing blah 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 it doesn't matter it didn't matter because all that I cared about was his opinion of me and mm. so the minute that he pulled away, it was like all of my self-esteem went with it. Yep. And yep. when he came back, suddenly I was good again. My self-esteem went back up and I felt really good. Mm. But it was like, I, it was literally that push-pull of like, goodbye, self-esteem. Okay, <laughs> now I feel good again. And when you're here and you're love-bombing me and making me feel good, I feel happy. Um, but then the minute that you go, it's like everything of, everything that's good in my life sort of like went out with it, like a fucking vacuum, like a, yeah. like, a like I always envision, envision like a, like one of those wormholes, like, <laughs> yeah. like everything yeah. is just like, goodbye. <laughs> but it's like, yeah. yeah. Well, so showing up for life is really hard yeah. when you feel like that's all been taken. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, like I, so when the breakup initially happened, I, it was like 30 minutes before a psychologist appointment, which mm-hmm. perfect, yeah. perfect timing. The universe aligned. Really did. <laughs> there was one thing that she said to me, um, my psychologist is I, you know, was obviously having a moment mm-hmm. as you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, it's going to be okay. And I was like, it just doesn't feel like it, obviously, because I was distraught. Um, and she's like, no, because this time you have your own back. Mm. This is the one person that didn't have your back last time. You have your back now. That's so true. Because yeah. you didn't have your back last no, time. You were the one person who you should have had your back. Yeah. This time around you do. Yeah, exactly. So oh. she's just, yeah. Paige, I'm curious, what attachment style do you identify with? I think I'm not, um, I don't think I'm one specific. Mm. I do think that anxious attachment is like, because in my relationships, I find if I give more love to someone um, when they pull back, that they owe me Mm. love in return. And it never happens, obviously. Mm. But I also think... I'm trying to remember the name. I think I, I am partly fearful avoidant as well. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So negative regard for yourself and others. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. My self confidence is quite low, but that's something I'm working on, yeah. obviously, yeah. Um, because I am a bad bitch. What you what you just talked about then? So obviously your attachment style, yeah, fearful avoidant. So yeah. what was the fearful avoidant? Jill? Fearful avoidant is negative regard for both yourself and others. You're not orientated towards love, doubtful regarding romantic love, and often experience emotional turbulence and fear of intimacy. But that's both dismissive types. Yeah, I so I'll go back and forth between, um, you know, I want to show you more love so you can love me back, mm. and um, don't I don't want you to like if you've shown me love, you're just lying to me. So there's trust there as well. Like I have, yeah, a too. complete lack in just, yeah. It's, yeah. I go back and forth. It's really hard to pinpoint, yeah. I guess. I don't have one. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I am, um, I would say, yeah, like I probably, I go through, I go through like almost a cycle through the three negatives mostly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know, like sometimes I feel really secure in my attachment style with my friends and like, mm-hmm. but you know, I'm, that's because I have good friends and I have people who show me, like, they show me they care. But it's like when you meet somebody and you don't have that time to kind of, like, build a foundation with them, I think that that's usually when I'll cycle through the three negative attachment styles because I'll mm-hmm. go through, like, 
um, being like, I don't fucking need you. Like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, blah, 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 blah. And I was just like, nah, man. Like, I'm fine. I'm cool. Like I said, I'm a bad bitch. I don't need. I'm not a bad bitch. <laughs> Most of the time, I'm not a bad bitch. I'm like, I'm strong. I'm independent, of course. But I'm like, I'm like soft. <laughs> I'm like, I'm soft, and I'm like, and I like to think that like when I'm in the right thing, it's like I'm safe and I'm nurturing and I want to like make food for you I feel as though when I'm in a good place with somebody it's yeah like I just want to be that nurturing person probably in like I've had to look at this too because I'm like I could potentially even be too almost like mothering to guys who have not had that from their mothers or are looking for that same mothering that they've had from their mothers god we can go into like all sorts of things but i think for me i do i start kind of like cycle because i go from like preoccupied to then i'm like i'm preoccupied thinking like i need that person so much but then i'm like well they obviously don't need me so then i I'm like, they don't need me, so I'm like, well, fuck you then. I don't need you either. So then I'll pull away, and then it kind of, like, just goes in that cycle. But, um, yeah. yeah. Well, for me, it was actually quite interesting. At the start of my um, last relationship, I was so hyper-focused on not um, pulling away from someone if they pulled away from me mm. that mm. I – because I had my own doubts about my relationship because I'm going through my own personal journey of, yeah. like, trying to love myself, I guess. Mm. And they came in, like, halfway through that and I wasn't quite secure in myself, so I wasn't sure and I was having these major doubts. Mm. And I kept saying to myself, you know, and I'd start to pull away mm. um, and I kept saying to myself, no, you're having these doubts, you need to – instead um show more affection the more dads you have the more affection you like give to them be more vulnerable yeah and it's like (laughs) in avoiding in avoiding being like um just like you know distant and stuff i instead became an anxious attachment yeah it just like went from one attachment style to another it was like yeah but you know that it wasn't just me you know it was just the dynamic of it like Mm. yeah well, I think I, because I spoke to my friend about this, like, we were having a chat last night about stuff, and I said, you know, it was stuck, and I, I got really, like, emotional about it, because I was like, mm. it was really hard for me to, like, be vulnerable with somebody, and I was, like, you know, trying to have those sort of, like, vulnerable conversations and open up a space of, like, being vulnerable with each other, but it was, like, every time I did that, it was, like, you just get kind of, like, shut down, so then mm. you, like, I can't say the things that I'm feeling or that are making me feel vulnerable, so then that's when you start to pull away, and that's when you start to become that like dismissive or fearful so it's like you can I I feel like you can go through all of those kinds of attachments even the self-esteem thing my mate's trying to like set me up with this guy at the moment and he's so hot like he's I'm not kidding like he's so fucking good looking and I'm just like I actually said I was like there's no way I could date that guy he's so hot I would be a fucking mess like I would be like an anxious mess he's so good looking like I was like why on earth would he want to be with me like he's he's so good looking and I'm like I take away all of the fact of like a personality and who we are underneath mm-hmm. the surface of being good looking and I'm like mm-hmm. I haven't even like gone on a date with this guy yet and I'm already thinking these things and I said to my friend it's not that I'm not you know whole enough it's just that I'm really insecure at the moment and I've been left really insecure for my last relationship Mm -hmm. and I was like it's more about if I'm going into it just to be able to be honest and say look I'm actually quite insecure at the moment and I'm not asking you to fix that I'm not asking you to show Mm -hmm. up and make me secure but I need you to know that this is where I'm at and if you can't handle that and that's not something that you want to be able you know want to even have to think about right now then this is you know and be okay with the fact that they might say yeah look that's too much for me I'm gonna like bow out here you know Mm -hmm. um 
putting your expectations out mm. right from the get-go. Setting boundaries. Setting boundaries and communicating that and, like, just saying, like, this is where I'm at because I'd rather, like, yeah, I could, like, go... There's, there's one part of my brain that's, like, go celibate for a year and, like, don't date anyone and, like, deal with your shit and, like, work on yourself. And there's the other part of me that's, like, I also would be interested if I did go on a date and I did actually start to practice setting boundaries and practice saying what my expectations are how that would look in a relationship too yeah. mm. because I don't always do that and so then I have these expectations which aren't getting met and then I get upset and then I project that back onto the other person and that's a dysfunctional relationship dysfunctional yeah. relationship and an interesting point I think is dysfunction isn't always necessarily like big massive fights throwing mm. things yeah. or sometimes it's just not correct communication and expectations that aren't said that the other person can't meet or is unable to meet without you actually telling them because dysfunctional relationships there there's many and it's hard to define it they might not be toxic but they can be toxic they might not be abusive but they can be abusive like I, I think dysfunction, regardless of whether it could be verbal, it could be emotional, it could be um, physical, dysfunction in a relationship is you know it in yourself, right? Yep. Mm. Your intuition, I think most of us are so much more in touch with our intuition than what we'd ever give ourselves credit for. And I mm-hmm. think when your intuition is being disrupted, when you're feeling anxious, when you're feeling depressed, when you're not sure, when you're, you know, you're um, feeling confused and feeling like you you feel like you're crazy or you're going mm-hmm. crazy mm-hmm. like maybe you're in a dysfunctional relationship well yeah <laughs> that was me for a very long time i was blaming myself and putting all putting all of the explanations for how i was feeling on what i was going through and um i think in my like in the back of my brain i really knew i really knew what the reason, reason was, was and yeah. It, the thing is, like, I'd, I'd show up to these um, PT sessions and you guys would mm. tell me a thousand times over what I already knew, mm. but I had to really accept it for myself. Yeah. But I think now now I'm just learning how to really love myself because yeah. that will kind of project onto people who are secure within themselves as well. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Which would be really good. I like, yeah. I like people who are secure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah definitely, oh definitely. Yeah, um, I just feel, I do feel like a sense of freedom now that I'm, yeah, I wouldn't so, have felt a year no, ago. That is so incredible. Yeah. And like, I would really say like that in itself, guys, like if you can, uh, you, knowing you from a year ago to now, and like, no, even me, like knowing me from a year ago to now is like, I'm, I am different. Like I've dealt with things so differently. Yes. A year ago, this time I was still dealing with the tumultuous ups and downs of everything not knowing where I stood constantly Mm -hmm. I was just so fucking confused and I was so emotional and I was like so hairline triggered and there was so much going on whereas now I'm like actually healing I'm sleeping again I'm eating again I'm doing the things that I love again I honestly didn't think that I was ever going to get to that point I honestly didn't think I was going to get to a point where I would be able to sleep without fucking medication and like I have literally like been sleeping again like for the last three weeks I've been sleeping and sleeping all the way through the night yeah, and, and, um, and with nothing and I'm off my antidepressants I'm off the sedatives for sleeping like I'm 
you know, I, I honestly didn't think that I was going to get there and be a functional human being again without being medicated. Yeah, and the, and the thing is with like you mental will health. Sleep again. <laughs> yeah, the thing is with mental health, it's not like when you're healing, it's not like I feel better, I feel happy all the time. No. The journey is like Still. I I do feel I have really bad days, but I know why I have them and I know what my body needs to kind of work through that. Mm. So that's yeah. what I'm kind of yeah. That's so it's mm. so important, and I think. That's what my friend said to me last night too. She said, you know, you're having a great day today and enjoy that, that you're having a great day and you're really aware. And within like minutes, it was almost like, I was like, I need to cry. (laughs) It was so weird because I was like, I know I am having a good day. And I said, and I'm not going to just keep riding on the coattails of having a good day. Like having a good day takes work every day sometimes when you're in that bad space. So it's, I mean, I'm not a professor and I'm not a doctor of any kind. Um, but the amount of research that I've done into this, because I genuinely do just want to heal, and I, I don't mm-hmm. want to take these this, this my own. I don't want to take my own dysfunction into my future. Like, um, you know, I've, I've only got a short time on this earth, and it's like I don't want to be doing this for the rest of my life. Like, mm-hmm. I look at like people, like I look at young girls, they're fourteen and they're doing it, and I'm like, I'm thirty three and doing it. I'm like, oh, please don't be me. Like, please don't do this for the next fucking twenty years. Like, it's fucking horrible. Like, why would you want to torture yourself in a relationship for the next twenty years of your life? Mm-hmm before you can't finally become work to your own bullshit mm. and then start doing something about it. Like, don't, like, please learn from me. I'm 33. <laughs> I'm just fucking figuring this shit out. Get on YouTube and start watching a fucking video. Like, because it's important to understand this stuff and it's important to understand what, this, I think dysfunction, that's chocolate for my ex probably. God <laughs> 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 <God> damn. <laughs> trigger me into going downhill, drinking, partying, mm-hmm. doing drugs, whatever. Bad relationships. Uh, bad relationships. Like, I need to make sure that I'm focusing. What was that? Piercing your nipple. Piercing your nipple. Yeah. Piercing your nipple. Mum, if you're listening to this, I never thought of piercing my nipples. No, and my no. nipples are not currently pierced. Her OnlyFans page me. is at... No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have anything, I swear. I'm a um, I would like to talk to Joel. We're gonna um, we're gonna get to a point. Wrap this up. Um, thank you for sharing. Thank, thank you for being me. so open and sharing. I know for yourself, like you have gone, you went through a really um, dysfunctional relationship, and then you're now actually in a really healthy, healthy, as we call so it, organic good. boy. Organic boy. <laughs> yes. Um, you met through mutual friends. You yeah. built a foundation. You're, you know, you've got a really healthy relationship. You guys are living together now. Yeah, it's great. Oh, yeah, obviously, you, you know, there's always going to be things that you've got to like work on when you're bringing two lives together. But for but us, since I personally do believe he is a secure attachment style. Mm. Secure attachment styles, they tend to go for more pro-social. Yes. And they tend to avoid conflict. Yes. Driven, like, mechanisms of maintenance in the relationship. So they're just behaviors. Yeah. So they want to solve. They want good things. They're more likely to engage in affection. Yeah. Verbal um, affirmation. Healthy conversation around things as well. And so I'm a preoccupied. But yeah. Since he's secure, I don't feel the need to engage in like my past behaviors to yeah. keep him because I don't feel like I'm about to lose him. Yeah, yes. Because Unlike my last like, relationship, you're which always was, feeling like you're about to lose him because you're on edge the whole time. Like, 
how long is he around for the for this time like how long is he going to be around mm. for this time is what he's saying true is he going to disappear again on me like you know one time he did not like text me for hope like i was waiting so i would just wait wait an entire week and we were in a relationship <laughs> I know. and that <laughs> yeah and then there was one yeah. point where he was like, I'm really busy. I don't think I'm going to be able to see you for a bit. He lived 20 minutes away from me. And I think I saw him like once in a month. I just uh, waited. Uh, no, I, <laughs> I just waited. I and think he that's then, just like, I can't be bothered with you right now. Like, uh, sorry, I'm not that, I mean, it, it could have been different. And guy, person, if you're listening. <laughs> I <laughs> could have been different. However, I would, I mean, I'd love for these guys to come out of the woodwork and explain what they were actually thinking because if you can reflect back and go what was I actually thinking in that time why did I do that to her what where was I was I just not interested and I just didn't want the the baggage of having a relationship I didn't want someone that was like you know I didn't want to have that Mm. emotional attachment but it's like it's easier for me to say and like save your feelings just be like i'm not gonna see you for a while yeah like oh okay no worries i'll just uh be here waiting for you when you're ready it like, was it was so, so bad confusing. but also girls just want to have communication please yes yes. <laughs> yes i was talking to my friend about when we feel like we've gone crazy in a in a dysfunctional relationship because there's so many games there's like a cycle Mm -hmm. and normally what happens is the original conversation that we might have with somebody when we're feeling anxious or we want to share you know even like a part of ourselves from the past it's the how we're met at that conversation that then sets the bar for all of those conversations in the future so for Mm -hmm. you with your partner now your first freak out of any kind would have been met with Compassion, comfort, love, empathy. Mm. Whereas if your first conversation with somebody about something that's vulnerable to you or something that, you know, is a trigger for you, like this is a trigger for me, I'm putting it out there because this triggers me and if you care about me, can we please find a way that this doesn't happen so that I'm not triggered because I don't want to be triggered all the fucking time in my relationship. (laughs) I don't want to be on edge. I don't want to be a fucking ticking time bomb. I want to be somebody who's healthy and happy and so that first initial conversation around those things can be what sets the bar. And if you're met with negativity or like, when I said that to my ex, I was like, I'm worried. Like, I'm just, I'm worried because he had this habit of just ditching out and disappearing. So I said to him this one time, I was like, I am worried that you're going to just get bored and go again. Um, and he was like, well, don't be boring then. Oh. oh. I was like, so then in my head, it's like, okay, so the only way I'm going to keep you around now is to like, not have any issues or not be upset about anything so it's like i'm almost like silenced into like just being be fun girl and then i won't go it's like people don't realize like how much that affects you and how much it changes you so if you can just make your girlfriend feel secure she's gonna be fine because she's not gonna feel like she has to meet these fucking invisible standards and jump through these invisible hoops that she doesn't yeah. even know are there mm. you well, know yeah most of my relationships all of my relationships i've tried to be open um but i've been met with silence mm. but like yeah so that's kind of taught me i've gotten into the habit of just don't mention it if you're having a bad day sort it out yourself don't talk to mm. don't talk to them about it they're not going to be able to support you yeah. you've just got to support yourself and that's like such a toxic mindset it's you something- just be alone yeah mm. so i've tried to reach out and be commun like to communicate everything that's going on with me and yeah like i've just picked the wrong people who are not going to really yeah. are just going to shut Sometimes down completely 
as much as you love the person, they're not going to be able to provide what you need. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then that can feed into negative behaviors to maintain yeah. the relationship, yep. which I did recently read a study on. Um, a lot of research and attachment theory goes into pro-social behavior mm-hmm. and positive um, behavior that mains- maintains the relationship. Um, but this one was on negative maintenance, which is interesting, and I feel like a lot of us do engage in unintentionally, and both sides in agree, yeah. a dysfunctional yeah. relationship yeah. do yeah, do this. Mm-hmm. So there's jealousy induction, which is just making the other person jealous, avoidance, destructive conflict, allowing control, spying, and infidelity, and these like certain behaviors, different attachment styles are more orientated towards using them to maintain the relationship. Mm. So a lot of dismissive or fearful um, attachment-styled people, they found that there was a positive association with the use of jealousy, induction, Mm. avoidance, infidelity, and destructive conflict Mm. to keep the person in the relationship. Yeah, I can can totally agree with that because I think a huge part of mine was even like when you think about jealousy and often like it can be like what's called triangulation as well. Mm. So it's like I'm in this with you and you're the only person I want to be with. Like, but for them it's like even if they feel that, they'll mention so-and-so over here and so-and-so over here and then all of a sudden you feel like am I competing with these girls or are they just people like I remember like we'd drive past people's houses and my ex would be like oh yeah I used to fuck a girl who lived there oh mm. I used to fuck this chick over you know and I was just like and that oh, makes you okay. feel insecure so insecure like I actually feel really emotional like thinking about because I was just like sitting there I'd just be like oh like that's nice like cool I'm so glad that you made me just think about you having sex with someone else like it was yeah. just always like a matter of making like my brain would always go to like oh now i'm thinking of you and being with you just fucking someone else like, but it also makes you want to like to be compete compete absolutely like you do you get in a triangle because like as we drove past our house mm. like i don't need to know that information and secu- security would not have allowed that to be a constant you wouldn't thing. have needed to say that no no because that makes you want to crawl back to them and so they're keeping you there yeah so um, true. Mm-hmm. secure partners avoid all of these destructive patterns mm-hmm. and prefer pro-social maintenance habits preoccupied we like uh, spying so going through history checking phones yeah that right. kind of thing yeah destructive conflict yeah allowing control also yeah. Yeah. as a people-pleasing um, mechanism but a lot of these are trying to affirm that we're still secure within the relationship. Mm-hmm. And then fearful actually didn't have a lot, just jealousy induction. Yeah. Um, so dismissive and preoccupied are more likely to engage in negative maintenance despite the satisfaction. Even if you're not satisfied in the relationship, you're still going to try to maintain it with these negative behaviors. That is so interesting. I've honestly, like, there were so many things. And, like, I'm not here to rag on, like, guys or on my ex or anything. And, like, honestly, like, I say my ex, but I'm still not even sure we were ever in a relationship. <laughs> 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 um, but honestly, like, you know, with little things, like, you know, pick him up from town and be like, oh, I didn't even look at another girl tonight. Oh. And I'm like, great. I'm like, great for me. So, well, just tonight? Or, like, is that every time? Or, like... Sounds and like they would a habit. make a joke about mm. like um 
I didn't even look at anyone tonight, um, except for that girl who sucked my cock outside of the club or something. But it would be like, it would be like a joke. But then I'm like, is it a joke or did that actually happen? And then I'm like spending the rest of the night like in this fucking anxious state of like, what the fuck? And that goes back to control, um, saying control. stuff like that. They know what your reaction is. Yeah, but I think that that's like when you say about the fearful, it's literally like that's all I ever felt was like I was just put in this cycle of jealousy because I was like that was the whole thing that like kept me around because I was like, well, obviously you're with me, but then like, yeah, how can I be more for you and like be that person that, you know, you, I don't know, changes you maybe? Like mm. it's that point of like wanting to be the person that's like, he said to me one time, he's like, I know it's like you want to be the, you want to be the girl who tamed the wolf or something. And I was Ugh. like, gross. anyway, and I was like, oh my God. And I was like, <laughs> self a wolf? Yeah, yeah. Oh, but, but, it, but it's shit like that, that where I'm like, it was so like in my head and I was so far into it that like stuff like that wouldn't actually make me go gross. It would make me go, oh, like maybe I am thinking that subconsciously. Maybe mm. I am still sticking around because I'm trying to be that girl and I want to be the one who's like, you know, you know how that guys are always like, uh, she she's the one who like changed me and whatever. And That's like, such a media trope. It's you? such a media thing. And I was like, I always, I think I always got, but there was comments in and of all the time that made me like, he kind of made me think I was that, mm. but then would almost like dismiss it straight away. It kind of sounds like breadcrumbing. It was, yeah. yeah. I was very, there were so many things. I've learned so much. <laughs> 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 I would like, literally, literally yeah, right, I'm going to like do a doctorate in like this show. Because I was like, wow, I honestly... And, and the problem is, though, that you're so depleted of energy that you actually just can't find for yourself. Yeah. Mm. So that was the hardest thing for me is, like, not being able to actually, like, say... I don't really appreciate you saying that because I was always so worried because I was walking on eggshells all the time. And I was so worried that I would be like, I don't really like that you said that. It hurts my feelings. And it's like you you get to a point where you think, if I bring something up, they're just going to... It's the end. It's going to go it again. Is, it has happened to me literally like three times. You'll yeah. be like, I don't like that you do this or I feel like you're acting like this and I don't like it. And yeah. then they've turned around and been like, okay, well, see ya. Yeah. Mm. And yeah. it, yeah... I, that was my that's, last relationship. So now I've gotten into a pattern which I really need to work on because yeah, it's I haven't had it where yeah. it hasn't happened. Um, of I can't say anything to talk to this person and like talk about my feelings and say I don't like that you did this mm. because they're gonna leave me. Mm. That's it the happens. number one sign of a dysfunctional relationship. It happens every yeah. single time. Can you say that again for me, Joe? That is the number one sign of a dysfunctional relationship. Yeah. If you feel like you can't communicate. Yeah. Which is, I think, where so many people are in that space. And I think that's the whole reason why I wanted to do this podcast with you guys today was because it's not like I was like, I said to pre, a prelude, uh, I said, I don't want to just like go on and like be sad and brag on like my last thing. But it was like, it was really hectic. And like, I don't even know if, you know, he even realizes how much it fucking hurt me because I don't think he has feelings. Um, but also, I don't think he has empathy to empathise with, like, how much I was fucking, like, so hurt by it. Just so many things that happened, like, just the whole of, like, last year and everything, and then to come back and be like, I want you, I want you, I want you, and beg me to give him another chance. And then when I was in it the whole time, I was, like, just waiting because I was like, okay, I'm giving you this chance, and, like, I'm, this is actually me giving you a chance, which is, like, a big step mm. in something like that when you've kind of had so much 
negativity and then you're like I'm giving you this chance but then like immediately I started like my anxiety started to flare up again because mm-hmm. I was like when's he going when's yep. he's gonna go he's going like it even became a joke that it was like you're gonna go rogue and one day when I asked him I was like oh are we hanging out tonight and he was like no nah, I'm going rogue and so it became, like a, it became like a joke but to me it was like my heart would literally like break in that moment to be like you're actually going rogue though like and um that's you saying that but you, this is it's actually I can feel it like I know you're going I can feel you going again and it's like I had to prepare myself for that so it's like uh, and and even just saying when he said that like not even knowing how to respond to that because I'm like I don't know how to respond because I'm like are you actually going rogue and is this the last time that I'm going to have a conversation with you you know like so you're always like fearful of that and I think yes it's, it's a sign of dysfunction where you're like I can't even like yeah, that was just a joke, but I'm like, this is actually your pattern and what you've done to me, like, that many times, mm. and so, obviously, for me, that ignites fear and mm. stress in me, mm-hmm. and if you really cared about me, you wouldn't even Say make that. a joke about that, yeah. mm-hmm. but it's, like, at the time, I was, like, right, what, what can I do now to, like, stop you from going again, and, but then this last time, I was, like, I'm not even gonna try, because yeah. I was, like, what's the point? Yeah. Like, mm. it's only going to end up back in that same dysfunctional cycle again. So, and I feel like as the pain and the acceptance has set in, like the, the pain has dissolved and the acceptance has set in, like I've accepted that mm-hmm. this is what I was in, mm-hmm. his fault, my fault, who know, I don't know, we'll never know because <laughs> it's not like they're going <laughs> to come on to like tell me what really Do happened. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd love to know and if you'd like to share it with me, well, that would be great. So Paige is doing her own podcast now. She started, she told me a year ago that she wanted to do it and she's bit the bullet now and she's doing it and it is called... Uh, safe Space. It's called Safe Space yeah. and what she's aiming to achieve is... Um, so it's kind of like a space in the internet where you can go to kind of escape the chaos that is life sometimes. It's um, what I would consider the podcast version of a comfort show. Mm-hmm. So something where, you know, just good vibes only, just a lot of positivity. You can go there if you need advice and we're just going to talk about everything and anything that life has to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's just something like a feel-good podcast. Yeah, really. cool. That's awesome. Yeah. And where can we find you... Um, I think it's, I have not posted my first episode yet, but I'm going to, um, and it's a fun little episode with Jillian here. Mm -hmm. She'll be a regular guest on it as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so just follow me at page.mclean, that's M-C-L-E-A-N, not McLean. Thank you very much. McLean, I like the toothpaste. (laughs) Um, and I'm going to be posting more updates on it there. Yes, okay, cool. So you'll, and if you do branch out, then you'll obviously share where you branch out to on there. You can find Miss Jillian if you'd like to find her. She's a pandemonium of Of hearts. Mm. I'm not even going to spell that. (laughs) Just Google it. Pandemonium of heart. It's exactly as it sounds. And I will tag it in the the, um, description here. Um, And obviously you can find me at Miss Oh, I've changed my... You have, yeah. So you can't find me at Miss Karen Taylor anymore because I have changed it. I've changed it for reasons um, that I want to spend a bit more... I want to invest a bit more of my time into my writing um, and I've decided to, like, label my writing as, yeah, uh, KL Taylor. Um, So we've got me at Miss underscore 
That's just all what I want to say. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed listening. Thank you for tuning in. It's been awesome. And we will catch you next time. Bye. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have anything else. Jill's already left the building. Nothing in life, but I gotta get rich You could check the throwback pics up in that bitch I'm a hot girl, I do hot shit Finish income on my outfit I don't sex quick, cause I ain't thirsty These bitches mad mad, they wanna hurt me I'm a hot girl, I do hot shit Finish income on my outfit I don't sex quick, cause I ain't thirsty These bitches mad mad, they wanna hurt me Ah.